All right, Mots, we are back. Episode 71 of The Rink Trinks. We had a great interview with Tuka Rask. We were able to sit down with him this week. What do you say, buddy? You ready to go? Let's go. All right, Mots, we are uh, in the midst of NHL playoffs here. I know I'm, God, looking at the brackets, you would think I never watched the game before, but... uh, How's everything going? How's the weekend? How's the lawn? How's the golf game? Give us a give us a mozzarella sticks recap here because we've been missing out on those Mots moments. I know. I, I got to get back on the Mots moments, but um, I, I mean the, the Florida middle seat for me. Uh, you know, we went down and back, and our girl Mo was like, "You're getting a middle seat, aren't you?" I'm like, "No, no, I, I'll, I'll get something." Sure as enough, I get into the middle seat and I had to put my head in the uh, shoulder of a couple of buddies. Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, I was like, I was oh, like, yeah. Dra- I was Dracula, uh, you know, losing, like, yeah, hands across the chest, middle seat, but awesome time. Uh, getting yeah, how was my... the Celtics experience? Yeah, I know good. you're a big baller, I know. Uh, so I was able to. You know, get down there, play a little golf, and uh, take in some quality playoff basketball. But the highlight of the uh, trip was meeting Jason Williams, White Chocolate, um, one of the best passers in NBA history. And it's like, you know, just great to just pick his brain. But when I was talking to him about athletics in particular, he goes, how good is that Connor McDavid? So, like, he's coming back at me and uh, with some good questions. Uh he was Randy Moss's high school quarterback. Yeah. Quarterback. And we're going to have him on the podcast. He's going to come on and we're going to just talk sports. You know, he never played hockey, but uh, he's just a, a super person. And uh, it was really cool to meet him. And then I got home and did uh, a ton of yard work with my uh, my wife. No, geez. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. From we, white we, chocolate to, <laughs> to reality. To, yeah. Right. So we just uh, spread some mulch. Yeah, it looks unbelievable, by the way. So <laughs> I, I'm just, I'm like, you know, kind of like self. Yeah, know, well, kind of, Memorial Day weekend's coming up this weekend. So that's kind of a big, like, big weekend. You want to get the, the yard looking right. Yeah, but on Sunday, I'm like halfway through the lawn. My big tractor isn't working, but I got the new one to push. And uh, our boy Billy Ryan walks over. Yep. He's like, kid, what's up? Girls around? So the girls can look after his kids and he's like, I want to go for a swim. So next thing you know, we're watching a t-shirt on at the pool. Ah, yeah. I get crazy dad bod going. So kind of, kind of shed any layers. Um, <laughs> but you know, I finished the uh, yard and went over and, and caught uh, the end of the Florida Tampa game. And then, um, no, the, the next game, it, it was on Sunday, whatever whatever matchup that was. And we started watching, and then I came back and fed the kids uh, through takeout. There you go. Yeah, next yeah. thing you know, it's 3 in the morning. No. When you and String get together. <laughs> String's the, the best. Uh, oh, he's unbelievable. But it's funny, the, the white – like, I was such a big fan of Jason Williams. Like, his creativity and the stuff that he did. And I, when you told me about him loving McDavid and, and you know, talking about how – like, that that's awesome. I love that he's a fan of, of you know – hockey and loves the game and you know loves watching and obviously recognizes talent and that creativity so i'm looking forward to chatting him he was he was a 
phenom. Like talk about ball handling skills and I loved watching him play. And uh so one of the funny uh how's his uh, golf game? Uh he didn't play with us. We just picked him up on the way uh to Miami. Oh, okay. But but the best part is our, our boy Andy Erickson, we chatted mm-hmm. about this prior. Game to 21. So Andy Erickson played high school basketball. Three Canton, point, Canton High, right? Canton High, three point um, you know, uh record holder. Yep. So it's like, you know, that's awesome. You know, like you're you're a good basketball player, you're a good athlete. So the bet, like even prior to us meeting uh white chocolate was you know 20 points and then game to 21. Can you beat him? And he's like, Oh yeah, yeah, I can, I, I can. So then can he like, beat Jason Williams? He all he has to do is score one point. Oh, okay, okay. No, he gets a 20-point uh, head start. Yeah, so it's 20 nothing to start. Correct. So I go, I, I don't, I'm not sure. And, like, he's giving me a hard time about, uh, you know, not having his back. So we get on the plane, and we're talking, and, you know, about McDavid and, you know, whatever. And then we, we pose this question. And uh, he goes, I'll give you the ball, and you won't win. Really? <laughs> that confident. Oh, it's like I go, Andy, like start working on your half court shots. That'd be a great content piece if we can uh ever oh, get no, him like, up there. In he's gonna be uh coming out to Boston for some, you know, NBA um kind of like uh goodwill stuff. So I would love to get that done with Andy Erickson and uh white chocolate. There and you go, Andy, there. start working on your handles. Yeah, so we're we're gonna get it done, but I just thought it was funny. And then Andy's sitting there, and he goes, "You're not gonna win." Uh, Jason says to Andy, "You're not gonna win." He's like, "Oh no, a twenty point uh, lead. That's unbelievable." I know, but and we'll see how it shakes out. We'll see how it shakes out. I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait to be there. We talked about the NHL playoffs a, a bit. Uh, we've been touching on them. Obviously, it's been such good hockey to watch. And like you, you, you always say, like you're getting everybody's best, and there's just no shifts off. I went six out of eight in the. I think I went five out of eight actually. I think that's a that that's a typo. That's a typo? Yeah, yeah. I know. I got two. Le- I basically I got two teams left. The Flames and then not looking great, and the Rangers. And uh, when we're recording this, yeah, we'll see what happens there. I know you got a DVR, but yeah, well, not looking too good. And you're, you're, you're st- and I had the Flames to win the cup, and I know you had Florida to win the cup, so that's that's not good. Yeah, I'm out, but like I, I can still place, <laughs> yeah, especially against me. <laughs> so head to head yeah i can place but um yeah it's just so interesting to see some of the the way the game was played regular season versus postseason and you know just in particular we'll like i just we'll talk about florida um they always relied on outscoring their opponent and coming back if they were down they always could um but when you know, push came to shove in the playoffs. They couldn't lock it down. I think they have too many of the same players on the back end that gamble versus taking calculated risks, and mm-hmm. they can't defend as well as they should in the playoffs. And that's just an interesting – like, it was interesting to see. I, I thought yeah. they had a better team that could 
maybe like figure it out but um you know so i was wrong yeah i mean i think part of it too though is is the growing process right like you look at all these great teams and you know think of the uh tampa bay lightning for example right like it 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 it's so hard to win in this league. And I know last year, you know, Florida got into the playoffs. They ended up losing to Tampa. I think that series was like four to one in the first round. But, you know, now this year was like, you know, another step. They, you know, they won the first round. They obviously, you know, ultimately got swept in the in, in the second round uh, to Tampa Bay, who's just like they're a wagon. And Vasilevsky's unbelievable. You know, Bobrovsky last year was a bit of a question mark, but I thought he actually played pretty well. Uh, you know, I think that, that, yeah, they're taking, you know, they're taking steps and, and they've got to, you know, they've got to learn how to win. They've got to learn what it takes. And I thought like, you know, look at, I, I, I saw a quote this week from Blake Holm and I'll, I'll read it to you. And here's some, his a, you know, two time Stanley cup champion. And, and, and I think this is what Florida needs a little bit more of, but it's, you know, whenever I have a shift in the playoffs, I constantly remind myself that every play matters, whether it's a shot block hit or getting the puck in deep the margin for error is so small in the playoffs that if you lose that focus for even one shift you could be going home early and you know obviously like you know it's just so true like you talk about it all the time right the best of the best you're getting everybody's best and if you just you know have you know you make one little mistake it next thing you know you're busting out the golf club so i think florida you know deep down like eventually they're posed to you know eventually be a Stanley cup champion. I love Bakoff and Huberto and, 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 you know, Ekblad, all those guys, I think they're really good, you know, still young, talented players and they'll get there. I mean, like I said, Tampa went through their growing pains and, you know, Toronto's going through the same type of thing. And it, it's, it's, you know, there's so much good hockey that's out there. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you. It's just very difficult to see, you know, such success during the uh, regular season, you know, lack of postseason success. And there is a, it's a different animal. Like you mentioned, mm-hmm. like there is growing pains is like a learning curve that needs to be done. And, you know, when the Islanders won from 80 to 84 and 84, they, um, they beat the Edmonton Oilers, the upstart Edmonton Oilers with Gretzky, Messier, all these guys, and they, these are young kids yeah. walking by a locker room, and everyone who was celebrating was family, wives, staff. All the other players had like ice bags on their bodies. Right. They were hurting, yeah, because they gave everything, everything that they could to win that championship. So that was—I remember, you know, seeing that. I figured that it was like a VHS that I saw. Yeah, and it's been replayed a bit, you know. Yeah, he uh, actually, Mike Greer brought that up this year with you know one of my younger teams. He talked to the kids about it, and same type of thing. Those guys that, you know, I and I, I think it was Messier or Gretzky, one of those guys, kind of stopped and was like, "Guys, right. that, that's what it takes. Yeah. That's what it takes to be a champion." And yeah, I mean, that's that it is. You know, the rest is history with those guys. But they they saw, they learned, and like you said, those guys were. But they, you know, four in a row, they would just toast at that point. But you look at the way Tampa does it, like, man, yeah, gonna, well, like, they they actually have the winning pedigree, meaning like they understand what it takes to win. And they did have a little bit of a lull leading up to the end of the season, and then they kind of flipped a switch. They understood 
that they have to stop playing real hard. Well, after game one in the Toronto series, you it was it was almost like, do they even want to be here anymore? Well, well, like leading up, they were playing well, and then they just kind of they got run over, and then yep. they they did flip a switch to be the players and the team that uh, what it takes to win, mm-hmm. and that's important, right? Like like the little things. You saw so many block shots, like against Florida. Those those are things that win games. And like as you know, if you are a young player and you want to help a team, you know, win a game, like you block a shot, you do this. It's like it's interesting that everything is amplified in the playoffs. And so when you see these top players playing the way that the coach really wants them to play all season, it's really really cool. And the teams that can do that consistently, um, you know, that they're going to have the most success. And Florida couldn't consistently do that. So are they your pick now? Oh, that, uh, I, I'm I'm trying to no, back. You stay within the, Yeah, you're just back. <laughs> like, no, I chose the whole state. Yeah, yeah. I, oh, yeah. Actually, I yeah, Florida, right? Yeah, yeah. No, no, F- Florida. Tampa's in Florida. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, so we're good. <laughs> uh, uh, what was your take on that uh, Samuel uh, Sam Gerard hit? Obviously, big hit in the uh, you know by Babashev on St. Louis. Uh, I know we got some questions about it. Looking for our input, uh, I, I, um, you know, we we talked to Rob Bellamy a couple weeks ago, and you know, he was a, a ferocious hitter. I mean, in my mind, watching it, uh, I thought it was a clean hit. I know that Gerard's a bit of an undersized guy. I thought, you know, going back for that puck, you know, we talk about it and it's funny. We worked on that drill uh, the other night, just like getting in that habit of constantly, you know, shoulder checking and peeking and recognizing that that guy, uh, that four checker, like where the pressure's coming from. And, and he was, he was coming in with a lot of speed. It was a 50, 50 puck. And I don't know. I, I, I think personally, I, I hate to say that it's like, you know, I would have let that guy get the puck, but he had so much speed and momentum. It's almost you you talk to some NHL guys and like sometimes I would strategically let that guy get the puck and then try to break break him up rather than put my body in that position to to take such a big hit. What what's you know, what would your advice have been, I would say? Well, if you look at it like the angle at which Gerard's getting to the puck and Babashev's cutting the net on a straight line. He's going to make contact, you know, so he was able to play the puck and wasn't able to protect himself. He He's actually a very, very smart player. Oh, Gerard. very. Yeah. So, Great player. But, you know, he's giving himself up to make a play. So, and again, I think it's a clean hit, uh, undersized player, who exposed himself and unfortunate injury, but nothing dirty about it. And I would say it's just like this gray area for like, if I was that defenseman, we're both Mm -hmm. undersized defensemen, right? Yep. You you, want to like show your valor to take a hit to make a play. But when that guy's coming full steam from off the bench, from the red line, whatever, you have to be able to protect yourself and be able to absorb a hit. And so it's, like I said, that gray area is like, all right, playoffs, I, I'm going to, you know, move this puck and take the hit or, like, expose myself, where, like, he would never do that in the uh, 
regular season. Right. So I think the playoffs. Was it Paul Martin we talked to who who kind of talked about like. Yeah, but it was a different scenario. Yeah, yeah. You know, it would be more like a guy going in with you versus at that angle. Like So, like, Gerard's coming in from the corner Mm -hmm. and Barbashev's coming in straight in. Like, that. that's, you know, like, either you pull the shoot, like you said, and, like, let let him maybe, like, hit the glass or get the puck and then defend. Would you ever do that? Yeah, no. But um, I would have, like, erred on the side of try to, like, you know, take the hit and, you know, whatever and get injured, I guess. Yeah. But that, but that is, you know, just a different side, again, between playoffs and regular season because Gerard always protected himself. He'll always protect himself and he didn't in that situation. Right. So, yeah, no, it's unfortunate because I really like his game. Yeah. And he's so good. Colorado does look really good. And he's, he is like, you know, such a smart, heady player. Uses that small, you know, he's not a not a big guy, but he uses he that uses small the knee stick. hockey stick. Yeah, he uses it like a wand too. It's like you know, he's he's, but he's so impressive. It's a tough loss for Colorado because he he really is a a, a good player. Yeah, and, and again, like that's the stuff that Babashev is a physical player at times, but he's not like a killer by any means. But playoffs right. come up, and you're finishing your checks with authority on a smaller defenseman that can make an impact offensively. So he just did his job, and unfortunately he got hurt. But, you know, like I said, that gray area between decision-making on exposing yourself and Barbershaw is just doing his job. But um, I just think during the regular season, he wouldn't as he wouldn't finish as hard, and uh, Gerard would not expose himself. Right. So yeah. it, 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 it just would never happen. So. Speaking of guys that have skills on and off the ice, I want to talk to you about the shift group. Getting to know George and JR at the shift group uh, and the shift group team has been an awesome experience, one that has moved my career in the right direction. As my college hockey career came to an end, I was looking to transfer my competitive nature into the workforce. With the help and the preparation that the the shift group gave me, along with the guidance and answering of questions, I felt confident going into interviews for a career in which I desired, going above and beyond, George and JR made sure that I was ready to move into the professional working world, and I am thankful I got the opportunity to work with them. That's from John Hill, who uh, he's working in the IT sales world now and uh, former hockey player at Niagara. But make sure you guys are hitting those guys up. Obviously, their website, shiftgroup.io, or you can reach them directly, JR, at shiftgroup.io. They're doing great things and getting people into that technology uh, sales department. Now, again, like we talk about it all the time, the skills that you're, you know, acquiring as a athlete, and it doesn't matter what sport. We we talk about hockey all the time here, but um, you know, you can apply those skill sets outside of sport into um, any field, and in the shift group can direct you into the technology field, which is a booming industry. So check them out at shiftgroupio.com. Shiftgroup.io mods. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't have. Yeah, close that. enough. Close yeah. enough. Well, those guys, and and you know, part of what they do is talk about you know mental toughness and being part of a team, things like that. This is one observation I made in the in the playoffs. You see guys struggling, and you know, people changing the color of their tape in the middle of the season, in the middle of the playoffs, and when they're struggling. What are your thoughts on it? Like, I know personally, for me, I could never. I always use black tape on my blade. 
I felt like a completely different person when the tape, when you know, if I put white tape on there. Well, when you see guys, I, I, I seem to notice it. I've seen it a couple times in the playoffs. I know some of the guys on Florida would change it up. I know at the beginning of the playoffs, I think even Kucherov. I remember a couple of years ago, Stamkos had, you know, came out. He had white tape on the blade. But what are your thoughts on, on, on that? Every once in a while, you need to kind of just shock the system. Yeah. Um, okay. But the tape for me, I mean, personally, there's not a chance I could go to white tape. I'd be like, who's this guy? I mean, like, it, it would be a different stick in my hand. But maybe it could have worked. Ultimately, if you get some results and just shock the system, absolutely, you know, give it a go. Because, like, if you're, you know, reeling a little bit, like you, your team's not playing the right way, maybe you're not feeling it, you're not playing the way you should, you know, just give it a little jolt and uh you know see what what comes of it but um, maybe switch up to the pink tape nah <laughs> not a chance but uh yeah that that's why you know parisi and i would you know switch sticks before practice it change a him, curve up no it gave him like a appreciation on how good of a player he was with the stick that he had um and it gave him an appreciation of how bad of a curve and a lie that i had <laughs> but he goes it's like like you're dangling with my stick i'm like i can't dangle in the game i just have to like have a backhand pass to you or to zay jack in the middle don't worry about me he's like all right fine <laughs> so so it's just a little jolt so that that little jolt like you know on a day-to-day with us uh worked you know for him more than me but um yeah, I, I, I don't I don't mind it, but I mean it's it's just something that you can't you know like professional athletes, hockey players are very uh routine based, you know, maybe superstitious at times. So when you see that, that means there's something really, really going on. Oh yeah, that something is in their head and yeah. you know, my thoughts are like you just gotta fight through it because it like you said, I guess I got so used to it. You, you feel like a completely different person. Like when, when it's so minor, but you know, like so the, minor. just changing of the color of the tape or something like that. It really like it, it, it made the, the, the feel of the stick, everything just was mm-hmm. completely different. So I don't know how people, I don't know how people do it. I really don't, but I guess, if, you know, Hey, a slump buster is a slump buster. Instead of the, the dance that you used to give out, I guess they're going for tape. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that with uh, Jason Williams coming up. <laughs> he awesome. Loved it. He loved it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I love this quote, too. Uh, the best athletes are intri- intrinsically motivated. They don't just work hard because they have to. They work hard because they want to. That's from uh, Sports Psych Tips. I saw it on Twitter, and, and I just love the quote. Uh, like I said, uh, you know, I love that intrinsic motivation. Oh, it, it's an amazing quote, and it just hits right to the point, right? Uh, we talk about that internal desire to be the best player you can be. This hits it on, you know, every level. Like, if you're the best, you're intrinsically motivated. If you're not the best, you should be intrinsically motivated. It's a great word, but... Uh, right. You know, and the the best, like they don't do it just because they have, you know, that they because their mother or father want them to do it. Right. Correct. So I did. That was a great quote uh, that you you grab. And um, 
I you know I absolutely agree with it because let, let's just look at like uh, the top end players: Sidney Crosby, uh, McDavid, McKinnon. Those guys, no one's telling them to work hard. Right, they, they want to be the best that they can be, yeah. like at the top, top level. So if you're, you know, a younger player, you want to be the best you can be. Like just maximize your, you know, level, and then keep working at it, and just keep getting better. It's like, and that's that intrinsic well, motivation. Right, and we talked to Booker about it too, and and you know, it's coming up in the interview, but he just talks about. No, I I think I asked him about preparation and routine and stuff like that, and he was like, it all started with with hard work and getting prepared and practice. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't it wasn't anything more than that. So, uh, you know, obviously we we get the interview coming up here, but it was uh, it was you know I thought it was I thought it was a great quote by him just to, to you know, hey, my preparation started when I was like in practice every day getting ready. You know what I mean? That's how that's how I got you know, prepare. That's how I got mentally ready to go out and compete at the highest level. Nah, it, it, that's so good. And, and that was like a great message. So we'll, we'll, we'll hear about it. But did you hear about uh, Bo Bennett? Yeah, that was a good one. Uh, and, and so Connor McDavid is the most skilled athlete of all time, more skilled than MJ, LeBron, Trite, uh, Trout, Tiger, Messi, Mayweather, me. I like how he threw out his his me. Uh, I don't care if you like hockey or not. This is just a fact. There you go. And, and Jason Jason Williams said it to you too. Oh, man, I, I, I'm telling you, uh, the the kids playing at like Connor McDavid is playing at such a high level, and I'm so excited to watch and be witness of this kind of space that he's playing in. Like he's, I mean. Unfortunately for Dry Settle, like he is getting overshadowed, but that guy is just like he's so good as well. Yeah. Like he's like, unbelievable. It's so good. But when you see some of the stuff that McDavid does and making NHL defenders who are defending at the highest level they possibly can, like we talk about everyone's best shift in the playoffs, making them look like men's league players, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's really cool, and it's great to see. I mean, obviously, Bo Bennett's a, a hockey player, but you know, other athletes like Derek Carr. He had a great quote: "Trying to figure out who's better, Connor McDavid in real life or McDavid when I use him in at EA Sports <laughs> NHL. Either way, they are both ridiculous." That's from uh, Derek Carr of the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, you know, and it, it, it's just great to see you know the hockey guys getting that recognition recognition from other athletes. And, you know, the same can be said for uh, Nathan McKinnon. I mean, you know, right. he he, he right. put on a clinic the other day. Like you said, it's he looks like he's playing in, you know, just fast forward out there. Obviously, um, the, the skill level and the pace that he plays with and, you know, just making, like you said, these NHL defensemen that are giving it the best of the best every time they're on the ice. And he's just, you know. When's the last time you see guys, you know, besides McDavid, McKinnon, like end to end rushes from like goal line to the all the way it down, like happen. dangling? It, it, does, it does not doesn't happen, happen in the playoffs. Yeah. It's a, it's insane. Well, that it really I mean, it happened, you know, with those guys at times in the regular season, but like even, you know, in the regular season, that's very uncommon. But like the, I'm telling you, like, like I was just keeping my head above water to like just like, bite ankles and like just defend as hard as I could and like imagine like you have no gap and this kid's coming at you. McKinnon McDavid was like oh, 
I might as well just go play goalie, you know, and just like back in and back in. But, you know, they're making people look pedestrian and that, and these are elite, elite athletes. And it's, it's crazy to me. And like, I can't wait to tune in again. You know, it's like, you know, I'm a fan of hockey and I'm a fan of, you know, watching, you know, some elite players uh, make their stamp on NHL history, in my opinion, like what McDavid's doing. And to your point, um, Jason Williams, I was asking him, you know, you know, some basketball and he goes, how good is that McDavid? Like, you know, and then, and like, I'm, I, then I started talking about McDavid and then he asked me, a, a, you know, a few more questions because he's a hockey fan and he identifies someone who was that elite and it's pretty cool you know like that you know to the point of uh bo bennett's uh, you know kind of tweet and it was like you know listen these guys identify elite athletes playing at the highest level right do you think he's the best of the best right now connor like, yeah like you know right now like the, the jordan lebron tiger well, right now, I mean, I mean, they they keep showing some of the stats. Like, I don't care about the points. The points are happening, but mm-hmm. he is just electric. The way he picks pucks up off the wall, like the way like guys sometimes go at him to try to like just do stuff, like defend or give him space. Like that, that's the one thing that you want to look at. It's it's crazy because then he he gains more time and space when they they pull off. And then if someone goes at him, he beats them one-on-one and he gains the time and space. He's just doing stuff that is just really, really cool to watch from a high level. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about TSR Hockey. The TSR team and corporate sales department can outfit your team with the top brands in sports apparel. Ensure that your team looks the best this upcoming season. Visit TSRHockey.com. You can also reach out to their store at uh, 603-912-5970. As for Micah, Dave, they'll take care of you. They got plenty of shooting targets, uh, you know, slide boards, different things like that. If you want to, you know, we talked about last week in the mailbag, ripping pucks, shooting pucks, things like that. Uh, they got all the tools you need, whether it's pucks, or tires, or, you know, cones, different things like that. So hit those guys up for all your off-season necessities, rollerblades, you name it. Yeah, great guys up there. The off-season, actually, driveway drills that they can help you out with uh, all the fun tools that will make you better in the off-season. Yeah, so I think uh, without further ado, it's time for uh, Tuka Rask. Tuka. Our next guest on the Rank Shranks podcast is a good friend, Tuka Rask. Drafted 21st overall in the 2005 NHL entry draft by the Toronto Maple Leafs before being traded to the Boston Bruins in 2006. Welcome to the podcast, Tuka Rask. Hey, thank you. Thank you, guys. Happy to be here. Yeah, Tuka, we're uh, super excited to have you. Obviously, just a, a great career, and we'll get into all that. But I guess, you know, we, we want to start out where we start off with everybody, and you know, growing up in Finland, where did you, you know, fall in love with the game, start playing, and walk us down the, the, the Tuka Rask path to greatness? Oh, well, I think I must have been probably three years old when I put the skates on the first time. My uh, my mom's side from the family was big, big hockey family. Uh, all my uncles played, and they kind of, like, introduced me to the game. My cousin, who was uh, 
two years older, he was playing as well. And then, you know, I guess that's where it started. And uh, then here we are, retired. <laughs> <laughs> well, as far as like our lesson is, like we always talk about being an athlete and everything, uh, you know, a multi-sport athlete. You know, over in Europe and Finland in particular, was soccer a big part of your upbringing? Yeah. So hockey and soccer were basically the, my two main sports. And back then, at least, it was, you know, season was winter season was hockey and then summer season was soccer. Um, so, you know, and Finland is known from long winters and short summers. So basically hockey season started, I guess, I'd say October maybe. And then by a lot of times by November, we would skate outside in, uh, in the in the outdoor rinks. And then, you know, you play till March and then kind of like start the soccer back up in, in, the, in April or whatnot. So, uh, yeah, it was good. Then a lot of tennis as well during the summer. I'd never played competitively, but um, yeah, it was definitely very helpful for me to play multiple sports. I feel like it helped me a lot in, in my uh, hockey journey. Now, when you started playing, were you playing out or were you always a goalie? Well, I was I was kind of doing both in the beginning. I guess I didn't start playing goalie until I was seven, maybe like full time. I, I like to skate, you know, I, I like doing our backyard games. I was always, you know, playing out, sometimes a goalie. But then I never played a real, you know, season game as a, as a forward or a D-man. I was always a goalie there. Um, I, I liked skating, but I guess it was just like, so lazy to back check and stuff. <laughs> I think it's easier to stand there and, and do it. And I guess you got to have a certain type of personality to be a goalie too. So I guess I was crazy enough to do that. You mean like weird? Yeah. Yeah. Well, weird or crazy. Maybe it's yeah. the same thing. I don't know. Yeah, a little, little bit of both. Little was, bit. was it something? So the, the, the goaltending piece of it, was it something that you just, you know, from your early childhood, you just remember and just kind of loved it and loved being that guy in between the pipes and, and things like that? Yeah, I think so. And I think my godfather, he was, he was a goalie. So he was a big influence on me. And then my cousin played goalie too. So I guess that probably influenced me a lot. But then again, I, I don't know. I just kind of like, I, f I was good at it. So I just kept doing it. I was pretty, I was pretty good skater too. And, you know, early on until like third, fourth grade, I was probably the best skater out of all my teammates. I just never, you know, you know, played out. But I think the goaltending thing was, I, f I just felt like I was really good at it. And like I said, I was lazy enough and crazy enough to do it. So yeah, I just stuck with it. Is that Oh, go ahead, Mott. No, I want to touch on that because that's very important. Uh, you know, a lot of times people don't understand how much skating is important for a goaltender, even though you're not moving, you know, north, south, east, west, like you are actually, you need to be a very good skater. So, for example, like Marta Brudeau is one of the better skaters, like when we're on the Devils. So you're yeah. an unbelievable skater, let's just say, and then you go into the, the crease and those that edge work helped you become a better goaltender for edge work. Yeah, for sure. I think. Well, it, I mean, especially well, if you look at Marty, like his style of goaltending too was very much standing up and moving on his feet and stuff. So Correct. you kind of have to be comfortable with your skates. And I, you know, I, I, I guess I was more of like a hybrid guy. So I, I would like to stand up too a lot and move move on my feet. But it definitely helps, like you said. You know, like you kind of like get comfortable skating player skates and kind of like know your way around 
so definitely benefits you nowadays i guess you know the goaltending is so different for the most part that you know guys just stand there and use their size and block more than than move but uh yeah i think it still adds value to your game for sure if you know how to how to uh move around in skates using that athleticism is something that you are obviously so good at was there any you know early you you talked about your godfather being a goalie but was there anybody like growing up in finland that was an nhl player or you know somebody that would play professionally over there that you really like just love to watch and kind of modeled your game after not not really there back in the day there was not when i was growing up there was maybe one or two finnish goalies in the league and they were not like superstars it was more like you know you'd watch the nhl power week or whatever it was and you have marty Perder and patrick Rua and those guys like doing the highlight save so you'd kind of like try to model your game after them but uh and also like the local heroes you know we had a we had a team who was in the second tier league in finland in my hometown and you know you'd watch those games and you know kind of like those guys were your heroes back when you were seven years old so uh, i guess you you're just trying to emulate your game after these nhl guys we never realized that you might actually play in the nhl was just something that you kind of dreamed of or dreamt of and kind of wanted to do in the backyard games so something that has uh kind of worked its way into usa hockey like so usa hockey went to the adm model like small area games and they kind of modeled it after you know the scandinavian countries finland in particular you know how did that i mean i i want to hear it from you like what you grew up playing as a goalie you know like small area games or you know like the half ice or you know you know as far as full ice we have you know, adopted a model and it was based off of, you know, some of the stuff that you probably experienced as a kid that that's all you knew. But as a Mots goal, is trying to find out, is this even true? Or do they just, did USA well, hockey yeah. just make it up? <laughs> Pretty much. Well, it's probably true, but Mots, I'm like, I'm 35 years old. So like when I was a kid, that the, it might, it might've been a little different situation back there that they've done the past 20 or some years, you know, but like, I, I do you know, old? Yeah, I'm saying not as old as you, but like getting closer. Uh, yeah, we had some like you mean like when they put the nets on one end, like kind of like half ice. Yeah, like cross ice games, like like small area. Yeah, we definitely did some of those. Yeah, but it wasn't like it was more like a kind of like the last drill of the practice, you know, kind of like a fun thing, you know. But it wasn't something that we would do all the time. I know, like. My brother, he's just, he's three years younger than I am. I remember he was like, when they were like six or seven, they were playing games half ice instead of like full ice or whatever. If that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, well, the, the whole point, what like my, my point I and mean, my question was, you know, like so you didn't really experience, but like as a goalie, I think that's more, you know, difficult when you're getting more reps. You have to be up and down, and like you know, I I don't know, maybe you're not getting true angles because you don't have the crease to you know kind of like work your um position but that's what usa hockey has adopted and um you know it is based on some of those you know scandinavian countries in particular finland so i i just was wondering if you experienced that and how difficult it was as a goaltender uh yeah well i guess it wasn't difficult for me i don't it's just because it was just a little part of the practice i guess you could use to it uh and i don't i mean 
I guess you can make an argument that it teaches you to kind of like play faster and react faster to the situation. But I, I don't, I don't have any experience on that. I don't know. Maybe for yeah. the players, it's better to kind of move the puck quicker and move right. yourself quicker. That's kind of where they try to get at, I guess. But uh, yeah, I don't have any true experience on that though. Your brother, uh, how did you say it? Jonas, is that right? Yeah. Jonas. Yeah. Jonas is he so he he you know became a he plays forward is that was that something that was like a tough pill to swallow or was he always ripping pucks on you I know he's a few years younger than you but was that uh was that always a healthy competition in the household yeah yeah well he was actually quite good goalie too he could have he could have picked uh goaltending as well but he was he was a better skater and better player than goalie so he stuck with it and worked out for him but uh yeah he was he was a really good goalie too I think he kind of he kind of wanted to do that, and I don't know if like my parents had something to do with that. It's like one goal is enough, <laughs> yeah, right? Or maybe it was just like what he decided to do. I feel like he actually like played goalie, you know, a few times when he was like twelve, thirteen, and like he was he was actually good. But then he just stuck with, um, you know, as a forward. Yeah, as far as being a a goaltender being in a fixed position, you know, like I always think that the goaltender is one of the smartest players on the ice. I, I mean, that's debatable, but whatever. Yeah, depends uh, on yeah. the goalie months. <laughs> yeah, <there you> go. <laughs> uh, but like you have to know where everyone is kind of right-handed shot, left-handed shot, like depending on in zone, like you have to be aware. So then you, you put that out into the defensive situation, like as far as defense, very similar, but as far as being, you know, the hockey intellect, do you really feel that, you know, being in that fixed position and watching games and understanding players um, at the highest level, you're able to kind of like, you know, anticipate better when you have the ability to know who's on the ice? Yeah, 100%. I think you, you kind of develop an eye over the years for that too because, you, you know, like you said, you're just standing there and you're kind of like watching it from the film uh, so yeah you can at least from my own experience i could kind of like see the things develop you know a little bit before than they actually did and that's just like playing so many games and practicing over the years i guess but uh yeah i mean it's but it's different like when i'm watching a hockey game now it, it i don't have that eye because you know i'm not ice, ice level you know if i'm ice level it's game speed you kind of have that program in your brain but like watching tv or film it's it's a little bit different Tooks, does um can you talk about just i know mott's touched on it a bit like but the youth hockey in finland like growing up was it something that you just kind of stayed within your town and played against other you know local towns and things like that or was it like you know big time travel hockey you know obviously here you know, we're older than you are, but the, you know, the, the travel hockey's become such a thing throughout the years. It's changed so much in terms of all these select programs and things like that. What was it, what was the experience like for you in, in Finland? Yeah. So we had it, I don't know if, if it's still like this, I'm sure it's, to a certain extent it is, but like, so let's say we had, we had maybe six or seven towns within three hours and we would play like in that division. We wouldn't leave outside our division. Then, you know, we would just play our regional thing and whoever won that would won that. And we wouldn't, we wouldn't have like up until 13, 14, there would be like a national 
champion. It would just be like the regional. And but then we would go to these tournaments sometimes, where we would play against the other teams from different regions. You know, mm-hmm. and then once you hit fourteen, fifteen, it becomes like a national. Like I guess was it like a triple A here or something? Yeah, it would be like the highest thing, and then there was like a double A and so forth so like if you made the triple a then you would have to like travel longer distances as a 14 15 year old before that there was there was no travel more than like three hours two and two and a half three hours yeah so as far as you get into those spots like you you get it to the world juniors right that that first year so like you played three years world juniors yeah so when it got to that, you know, so you know, I guess it would be like a pyramid, like you're saying, like you, you get, you know, more competitive. And then next thing you know, like they're, they're picking the guys from those teams that kind of work their way up the pyramid. Yeah. So like uh, we had the first national team select camp. I think I was 15, maybe. And then you go to this, you know, base finished like ice hockey federation base camp where like 100 200 kids from all over the country who've been selected to that they put them in a pod mix up the teams and you play and then they select the national team under 16 national team from those guys so i made the national team as one of the four uh four goalies and then like a year after that i moved away from home and i was 16 to go to uh tom perry mm-hmm. and then like you know it's crazy to think but like basically like three years after that i was here right i was going to ask you about that so at, at, at you know 16 years old you move away from home and go play for uh Tampere. is that like a you know basically that's a professional type organization yeah um yeah so what was that experience like moving away from home like you know how at at, at 16 years old you're still a, a young kid uh how did you adapt to that and and you know now it becoming more of a a a job at that point right yeah it was like for me it had been clear you know almost as soon as i started playing was like i'm gonna move out of here as as soon as i can to (laughs) pursue my dreams you know and then i had the opportunity i was basically just like see you later Mm. um with with family my first year and then i moved on my own when i was 17 so i mean it wasn't I've always been kind of independent, I guess. Yeah. So it wasn't a big shock for me. Obviously, it was like you had to learn a lot and kind of like, you know, take care of things on your own. But, um, yeah, I it wasn't a shock for me. It was, it was kind of like something that I always wanted, and I knew that I had to make that move if I wanted to, you know, make it somewhere in hockey. So, yeah. How far was, away from, from home was that? It was like five hours. Oh, okay. Yeah, it wasn't, yes. it wasn't an easy commute for my parents to come there either. You know, they maybe came two or three times a year. And then my brother, actually, he was behind me. He moved uh, two years after me or something. He moved to the same town. So so I, I played in the Tampere Cup, and uh, there was – I've been to Finland, I think, five times. And, uh, you know, I, I my time. Um, Look at you, Mots, getting the passport stamp. The global, huh? the global yeah. traveler. Yeah. You Just mean. the and, international and, man of mystery, Mike Motto. Yeah. yeah. Austin well, the Tampere Cup was like a bunch of like pros. But that's the club World tournament. Junior, Wasn't that the club like tournament? Who would you play for? I, it was, so I was at a World Junior like pre-camp going oh. over there in the summer. 
So we oh, played against okay. a bunch of uh, yeah pro, pro teams and yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, gotcha. yeah. So those are temporary. You thought you went over there with the Mohawks or something, Mots? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so we uh, and then uh, we went uh, that year. I think it was like '98 or whatever. But uh, the World Juniors were in Finland. We had Helsinki and Hemelina. We had a, a a multiple like so. There was two other times in Veramaki. Uh, yeah, that's. I'm sure you spent some time at Veramaki. Well, that was that. That was the Ice Hockey Federation base camp. I was telling you about Veramaki. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we went there in the summer and the in the winter. I mean, that's in the middle of woods. N- nothing. Yeah. Nothing there. <laughs> yeah. Nothing. That's but why was, they had it there. They wanted you guys to behave. Exactly. Smart. Yeah, but there was a high dive. I don't know if you remember this. Do you remember like the high platform uh, into the the lake? Yeah. Yeah. So there was like a board there, like you couldn't, you know, I, like I just climbed up. I was like, all right, you know, I'll test it. Did a backflip off it, you know, like you know, feet of first. You like, did. yeah, who, who, <laughs> who knows if like how deep it is? And then everyone else jumped off. But uh, and then you, the, you were that guy though. You you had to be the first one to go, Mons, huh? Yeah, I was the tester. And then <laughs> you're uh, the crash test dummy. And then in the winter, we jumped in the. And I'd love for you to talk about this. this is like more cultural but the uh get in the lake when it's freezing cold yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. and then go in the sauna well i hope you didn't jump in there I hope you just went nice and easy because that's oh no no in the uh in the winter it was just more like get into the uh, yeah 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 pool. like a pool were you fun. fully clothed no not a chance <laughs> so yeah so in finland like they have this unbelievable like hot cold kind of like contrast and like they cut a hole in the uh frozen pond or lake, whatever, and you get in there freezing, and then you get into these nice hot saunas, and you know you can sweat it out. Yeah, it's good, the best. It is the best. <laughs> Took so you know after your your years playing professionally over in in Europe, like what was it like going into the draft, and and you know what were you kind of obviously the two thousand five draft is going to go down as one of the you know the best ever. Uh, if you look at that draft list and, you know, and, and the goaltenders, obviously Carey Price and yourself, but what was it, what were the expectations like? And, and, you know, ultimately, I mean, since you came over and were drafted, it's the, the Finnish goalie pipeline that's come, you know, to North America has been really incredible. Yeah. Well, so that was the lockout draft, you know, so I, like, I couldn't even go, which kind of sucked. Mm. Uh, I did the combine in Toronto before that and then like uh I knew that there was some interest like I think like Ottawa was like the the front runner that I like they wanted the most information like I had had a knee like a little minor knee surgery and whatnot like a couple years before it's just like a jumper's knee so like they were the only team who really like they wanted to like find out everything and up until like a few days before the draft uh, and then, like when the I think that when the draft was, I was my girlfriend's now my wife's parents' house on internet, and that was you know, dial up. It was like, like almost <laughs> like a dial up internet, you know, like it's nowadays don't even understand what that is. But kind of like following, and you know, like it would like buffer, and then like two picks would go by, you know. <laughs> like I knew, I knew, I think Ottawa was like number nine or so. They're pretty high, and then like I saw they go. And then, like, my name doesn't get called. And then, you know, I got the phone call from, uh, I think Fergie called me, actually, Toronto's GM, that they drafted me. And 
and then it was party time after that. Nice. <laughs> but, well, that that's an amazing feeling, like n- knowing that you're, you know, like a high end pick, and but like, but not by having the dial up and not really even knowing like live, like that you or even being there. I know yeah. that's kind of like the only you know thing that like would have i didn't experience through my career was the actual you know the draft you know like right. a lot of nice experiences obviously but but uh yeah it would have been nice i think there's only like sid sid bobby ryan and whoever was the third uh like there's right like there. top three guys were in there yeah at the hotel mm-hmm. so like i was just scrum they didn't call me <laughs> <laughs> or maybe like my ages my ages were so cheap they didn't want to pay the yeah, right. <laughs> oh that's amazing like my draft yeah like courtney and i went out to pittsburgh and you know everyone was like getting you know their looks whatever and do you remember uh jerry Maguire? i was like i'm rod tidwell like i like i'm not <laughs> yeah, like i'm not getting any love yeah yeah <laughs> but, yeah they don't care about like a seventh rounder so no yeah 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 but like it, you know, late first round, you, you need some love. You should have been there, kid. Nah, that's all right. It worked I'm, out. I'm okay. still waiting for my call. Oh god. And then you know, once the once the draft happens, and obviously you know you 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 get picked by Toronto, and then I mean, ultimately goes down as one of the uh, greatest trades in Bruins history, but. Gaspipe and Andrew Raycroft and them grabbing uh grabbing you from from you know who's a buddy and and you know Ray's is great but uh they they ultimately made the right decision and and taking you what was the experience had you like been involved in Toronto's plans at all or was it like next thing you know how, how quick did that actually go down well so I was I think was it a year after I was drafted I think it was yeah or, mm-hmm. yeah so because like they they yeah they wanted me to go there and like basically play in the in the Marlies or whatever in the minor leagues, mm-hmm. and I just I wasn't ready for that. I wanted to spend another year in Finland as the number one, and you know then go. So I had I had a good year in Finland, and then you know the following summer, it's the Midsummer Festival in Finland. We're a bunch of buddies. We're at the lake house, whatever. In the middle of the night, I get a phone call. Hey, you've been traded. So I'm like, all right, whatever. Like, yeah. so I like. So, so you're all banged up, having a time. Yeah, you know, like, but right. like, I never polished, went, I polished never off another there. long drink, and then... <laughs> exactly. I never went to their development camp or nothing. You know, only thing that I got from Toronto was that draft jersey, basically. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of like, all right, where did I get traded to? And they're like, Boston. All right, cool, whatever. And then, like, I had, like, never followed the Bruins because the Bruins were not exactly the hottest team at that, you know, late 90s, early 2000s. So, like, I knew nothing about them. And then, you know, I came, I think it was um, pretty soon, I think the next season, next spring, I think when I came over the first time to Providence to kind of, like, see the, you know, lay of the land and meet the guys and trainers and coaches and whatnot. And then the following fall, I, uh, I came over, so yeah, all so transpired pretty quickly. But uh, maybe I don't know. Maybe it was a good thing that I knew nothing about the organization or the town. But uh, yeah, it's great. And that decision to stay and and you know basically play professionally in in Finland for that year and be that number one guy. Like, do you really think that that 
you know, help prepare you for when it was to, uh, time to come over here and, and, you know, jump into the American League? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, it's who knows? I mean, it worked out this way, but I just at that at that moment, I felt like, you know, I had a contract with the team and I knew I was going to get, you know, 85 percent of the games. The World Juniors were coming up. Uh, so it was a good situation for me to stay home. And I just did, I never even like contemplated coming over. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I just, I just thought that one more year playing with big guys over there would really benefit me in the long run. And, and yeah, I think it did. We're going to take a quick break from our interview with Tuca and talk about cross country mortgage. If you own a home and haven't looked into refinancing in a while, have a quick chat with our friend, Chris Devin and see if it makes sense for you. Devo may be able to help you save on a month, monthly basis so you can put more money into savings or other projects. Check them out at chrisdevin.com. And SkitScott is a new video-based social media platform that allows you to use augmented reality filters, picture-in-picture, layered audio, and more that is only found in costly movie production rooms. SkitScott does not share, trade, or sell the personal information of its users. This app is made in the USA. Unlike Tuka Rask, he was made in Finland. Uh, now let's get back to our interview with him. Yeah, I think so. Well, just as far as you know, you know, to relate it to some of the conversations we've had about youth hockey, you know, we we talk about dominating a level before you move on, and you dominated at that level before you came over, and you're confident in your skill sets, and um, also you 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 know in your home country and playing with your buddies that you've been there. Uh, for a bit and played world juniors one more year. And, um, but like, that's something that, you know, you could have easily came over and kind of like floundered, maybe, maybe not, but you were confident in your decision to stay there. And that's what we always talk about is like, just play to your level uh, where you are and dominate. And you did do that that year. And that's probably one of the reasons why you had that much confidence coming over. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's like, yeah, whatever, and like I've always been pretty stubborn and like going by my own feelings and how I want to do things and like so I guess that was that was never even a question for me to come in come in here, uh, but like thinking back, you know, because I knew nothing about Toronto either. So if you go there, and you know what kind of a shit show it's over there, like yeah, right. even for me, I would have played for the minor league teams, but like I probably would have been on a microscope every single day, and you know you're 19. If you're not ready for that at all, it might you know leave a dent. So, mm-hmm. I've you've seen a lot of a lot of players go through that, and it's not easy. You know, kind of feel bad for them because they just get thrown out there and they're not ready for that. Yeah. What was the uh, your your first impressions coming over to you know the New England area? Obviously, um, you know Providence is is where you started, but did you spend much time in Boston, or was it you know right down in in the uh, American League city in Providence? Yeah, well, I I actually didn't spend t- too much time in Boston. My first uh, first like few times over here because like all the camps we would be up in uh, like Linfield, kind of yeah, in there by the yeah by, back when uh, everything was at Restusha. Yeah, exactly. So like all the gross camps and whatnot, we we would be there, shuttle over to Wilmington, and like you know, oh, only. Uh, connection was like the 99 restaurant over there. Like <laughs> that's the closest. Boston. Solid gold <laughs> fever wings though. <laughs> exactly. 
but then you know like living in providence for a couple of years like that's a great town we had a great team there and we had a great time for the you know year and a half whatever i spent there and then i i guess my first year i was i was up quite a bit because uh the goalies were hurt so i got to know boston a little bit more then but uh it's still you're 19 20 you just kind of like don't want to make stay too, big, stay under the radar stay under the radar and yeah try to keep the vets happy and <laughs> we had we had good times with them too for sure yeah it was a great uh core like the, the beginning of a great core uh of players so you played with Krejci down in uh in providence one of the better guys out there um you know i, I wish he came came back at the trade deadline by the way <laughs> I, 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 I don't know i was hearing different stories but uh you had a good crew crew down there so as far as like that success that you had in providence do you think that prepared you for the nhl uh spot i know timmy thomas was kind of like the guy when when uh you're in providence and they signed him to a deal but like were you confident in your abilities to do your job in Providence and then just ultimately get to Boston and, and see where it shook out? Yeah, for sure. I think I played so much uh, my two years there. You know, like we had good teams and I, like I had, I played a lot of games. So just to get that volume of games helped me, I think. Like back then, I think the AHL was, was like, was not as close to the NHL as it is now, I guess, you know? Mm -hmm. So the speed of, you know, and the talent level was, was a little different. So it was definitely an adjustment period when I, you know, became a full-time NHL or two. But um, yeah, I think just from goaltender's perspective, the biggest thing, like as a European goalie too, is like kind of getting to know your angles and, and kind of like feel comfortable with the smaller ice and, and like things happening quicker. Mm -hmm. So that was probably just like the biggest thing I had to learn. Uh, not so much of the, you know, NHL shots or NHL speed, but uh, I think it was actually like once you get comfortable with that, it, it was easier to play in the NHL because it was more clear, you know, like there was less mistakes and, you know, you could see things happening like better than down in the minors. So can you talk about like your, you know, mental mindset as a, as a, goaltender um you know i was watching like henrik lundquist and he talked about uh on the tv his you know mindset like on a game day like he was the type of guy then i remember Keith talking about him when he first uh went to new york was like you don't even go near hank on a game day you know what i mean like what were you like were you kind of that laser focused guy where you you know guys everybody stayed away from you or were you a little bit more like loosey-goosey in the locker room and and, and things like that uh i probably fall somewhere in the middle i guess i think early early on in my career i was way more like quiet and focused and whatnot but then once you go through all kinds of you know ups and downs and you realize that you know you don't really need to overdo it because a lot of things are out of your control anyways mm -hmm. so you can just be yourself and try not to stress as much so i think towards the end of my career i started be a little bit more relaxed and approachable during the game days but i think guy like a lot of guys would still say they won't talk to me or a lot of goalies on game days just because they think that it's not allowed but uh, <laughs> right. yeah it was i mean but like once you show up when the, when Mott's came in and he's like putting on your pads on the day of a game yeah, or something yeah, like yeah. that I'll, I'll like, what yeah. is this yeah yeah 
<laughs> yeah, showering with my mask on. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, yeah, it, you know, it's just like once you show up to the game a few hours before, I guess it's kind of like focus time. But you know, there's no reason to think about it. You're just gonna waste your energy if you're like can't even nap because you're so nervous about the game. So. Well, no, I think just, that, yeah, I was going to say that to touch on that though, like you're such a competitor, no matter what in the net, you know, you want to stop every puck, whether it be practice or game, you know, there's footage of you absolutely flipping your lid in Providence. Uh, what oh, I was just going to bring that up. Oh, yeah. So, so what happened there? Was it a shooter? I, I forget what happened, but can you walk us through why you were so upset? And this is early in your career. And like, this is, I love this stuff, but like, <laughs> I love the fieriness. Yeah. I just, I would play in front of you in the minors and epochs for a guy that wants to like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was, I was, yeah, bit of a wild card. Yeah. So what happened? But so it was, it was, so it was a zero, zero game. Uh, then it goes to a shootout. And, and like, I think the first, and I didn't leave, I didn't let any goals in before. Like the last shooter, I think it was like I got kind of poke checked the guy, so the back the puck goes backwards. The guy grabs mm-hmm. it, and scores a goal. Then it's like tied one one in the shootout. Then like the second guy comes in in a sudden death, and like I feel like it rings the crossbar, and the referee points at a goal, and then like we lost on that. So mm-hmm. then that was it, and. So- uh, it's Freddie. The name, the uh, ref's name's Freddie. I forget. He's the French guy. He, he's in the league now. We always joked about it because he was refing a lot of our games. He was like, "Hey, you're not gonna throw any milk crates at me." Hey, are you? I'm like, "Hey, Freddie, I, I don't know if you keep fucking this shit. I might." <laughs> so like, I, I so did, did it hit the back bar or did it hit the crossbar? Well, who knows? Because there's oh. no cameras at that point. But oh. so I like I I tomahawk my stick. Then yeah. I go out in the tunnel. I throw the milk crate and everything and, then, and everybody's like oh boy you might you might get suspended on this like that's pretty serious like, try to tell him i just think it's referee's head but then like the like the like the supervisors or whatever a couple days later like yeah that was understandable snapping so there's no suspension <laughs> there's, oh, nice. there's oh, nice. good, old, good old ahl for you yeah Robert, that, Robert that was when like flip phones are around and we got the publicity out of it so it's fine yeah we'll let it but- slide yeah, so like flip phone, flip phones, and like there was no like high definition cameras, so like no, no one's really like uh, worried about like your situation, like yeah, as far as a uh, reaction. But if it was legit crossbar out, you know, that's I think that's a legitimate reaction. I know, but like, and, and plus the poke check, the poke that was that's what I was more pissed about because he's never yeah. shouldn't have gone extra shooters, right. you know, and like. But whatever, hey. <laughs> yeah, water, <laughs> just good stories. Yeah. Good, good stuff. Good we stuff. talked about that that preparation and just you know, what would your advice be for a a young goaltender in terms of a, of a routine, like getting ready for a game? You know, whether it's you, you you know you see kids, whether it's a tennis ball, racquetball, like what what would you do, or what would be you know some type of uh, advice that you would give, let's say my 12, 13 year old goalie in terms of preparation for a game. Well, I don't. I mean, I guess I was always a believer that the preparation starts in practices. You know, like you feel good in practice, you practice hard, and you kind of develop those habits there. So then your the mental side becomes a little bit more easier. Uh, but like every everybody's different, so whatever you feel comfortable. I think like big thing for goalies the hand eye. I like I warmed up with tennis balls a lot. 
mm-hmm. uh, and like make sure that's dialed in. Uh, but then that's about it. Like that, then just shut your mind off and go play that, which is like the hardest part, you know, because mm-hmm. a lot of games you get, there's no shots. Like you might go 10 minutes with no shots and you have to be ready when it comes. So, uh, yeah, just feel comfortable and then shut your mind and let your body take over. That's a great point. So, like you said, you're more of a, um, a hybrid between a blocker and a stand-up. It's interesting because I, that's how I would look at you as well. Like, I, you know, when I was scouting, I had to do blocker, hybrid, stand. And it wasn't stand-up. It was you were more. scouting goalies? No, nah, I just like I, <laughs> I, 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 had, I had to put a report in for a oh goalie, and I'm God. like, oh, I don't even know what I'm doing. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. No, but he like, did his reports and crayons. Yeah, exactly. yeah, lefty. No, so at the end of the day, you say that you're a hybrid. <laughs> you were scouting goalies, and I, I do feel exactly how you're saying. A lot of goalies are using their size. A lot of bigger goalies, and they're just blocking. So like rebound control slash like you know reading the play is like less important than just blocking the shot. The, the actual original shot but as a hybrid or a stand-up like marty you're saying he was like kind of one of the last to be somewhat of a stand-up slash hybrid yeah yeah um like he was more of a you know hockey iq uh, read the eyes of the shooter like you know like it was very is cool to, to experience as a, a teammate but um but you know so when i'm looking at these goalies so how do you see the position of goaltending right now and do you agree with it? Uh, yeah, I think it's there's a lot of lot of talent. I mean, look at like Shosturkin, Vasilevsky, these guys coming out of Russia. Like they're not blockers; they they move very well. You know, mm-hmm. like Vasilevsky is a great example. Like he could easily be just blocking and not moving so well, but like as a big guy, he moves really well. I guess mm-hmm. a lot of it depends on your size too. You know, like if you're you know six one, six two, you know you can you kind of have to move, be able to move. You can't just rely on your positioning as much as like a six, four guy. Mm-hmm, like right. a lot of these guys, you know, they're six, three, six, four, they play inside the paint the whole time. And, and just because of their size, but like when you're a little bit smaller, you kind of have to have to be able to move and read, read the play. Uh, but I mean, I guess it's kind of 50, 50 when you look at the goalies, like there's a lot of, a lot of blockers, a lot of, a lot of hybrid goalies. Nobody knows, but there's no right answer. I don't think whatever suits your game the best and whatever you were taught as a kid, I guess, plays a big, plays a big role in that too. But, uh, yeah, I, I think the game's so fast now too that, you know, I think these goalies, they need to be more, more and more athletic all the time and be able to move just to keep up with the shooters, you know. Yeah, uh, and one of the best times, like, you know, when you're on the top of your game as a fan or, you know, you know just watching, you're just very quiet. Right, like you let yeah. the puck come to you, and uh, sometimes you see, uh, for example, I mean, like we're in the playoffs here, but Mike Smith is, you know, he's not quiet. <laughs> yeah, he's never, never really been. Yeah, no, but like it works, you know. Yeah, he but, battles. He just like he battles so hard that he kind of, you know, that's he's kind of like Timmy Thomas type of thing, you know. Correct. Yeah, street hockey goalie. <laughs> But like I said, whatever works, you know, like, yeah, I was going to ask you about, uh, what was it like, you know, your, your 
first experience like getting called up and then playing in the national hockey league like was it you know obviously it's a dream come true for you and your family but what was that like first experience like and that kind of welcome to the nhl moment yeah i uh i got called up i don't even know i think i was backing up a few games Mm -hmm. and then my first game actually was in toronto wow i remember that wow so that was that was pretty wild, uh, but it happens like they told me the night before the game, I think, because you know Claude Mots, you know how Claude was like he <laughs> everything's a secret, yeah. Like like I didn't even know when when I was gonna play, so like my parents couldn't fly in or nothing. Um, but yeah, I mean it was pretty it was pretty wild to play the first game against the organization that drafted me, you know. But then I guess like I've said this before too in somewhere some interviews that like my welcome to the nhl moment was when like matt sundin ripped a slap shot like right after blue line just clear clearly like beat me like all right yeah (laughs) this is real better pay pay attention here before it gets (laughs) ugly but yeah we ended up winning that game four two i think too so it was was a good good start yeah no no, you remember Yeah. yeah so as far as getting uh you know kind of a regular spot on the in the lineup you know you're backing up timmy what was your relationship with him you know yeah yeah. what was your relationship with 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 tim thomas (laughs) really good really good yeah 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 yeah. Yeah, we we had he taught me a lot you know his work ethic was you know just right it was something that you know he thrived on throughout his career and that's like he why he made it was because his work ethic nothing ever came free for him so it was really eye-opening to see because you know I was always like the talent first mm-hmm. rounder and, and kind of like early on I was just like you know I don't have to do the extra stuff because I'm so good and blah 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 you know so seeing him really open my eyes and, and kind of like realize what it takes to get to the top level uh, so yeah we had a, we had a great relationship and still do yeah he doesn't seem like the type of guy you want to talk to on a game day well, quite the opposite, actually. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. He was a chatter. Yeah. yeah. Really? Yeah, he would chat all the time. No kidding. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, so I, I, I've I, known Tammy. Like, so we played world championships when he was over in Finland, when he was playing before he came over to Providence. And then, you know, we played on uh, a couple NHL teams together. But one of the best guys, you know, again, like very thoughtful, right? Tuka? Yeah, yeah, he is. Very thoughtful and like you could see it in that cup run when you know after you know he was done with his battle level, like he gave good interviews and you know that's what I saw. I was like, but he he was very thoughtful in his his uh, message on what the team did and what they did in front of him and what he did. But he was just exceptional that yeah that eleven yeah yeah run so. Um, you know, just being there with him and, and learning under him, that must have really helped you in, in kind of like different areas, like you said, like compete, number one, and then just kind of like that extra that makes you uh, the elite goaltender that you became. Yeah, for sure. And then, you know, like he at that point, he was he was close to his mid-30s, so he had been around. He had seen the NHL, you know, gone to Europe, back to NHL, back to Europe, kind of like all over the place. So, you know, like he, he wasn't stressing out about hockey that much. And I think that's a, that's a pretty big thing for a young goalie to learn too, from a veteran guy like that, you know, that demeanor that it's not the end of the world. You know, we just practice hard and have fun and play the game and then that's it. Not like, 
right. not worry about, you know, what tomorrow might bring. Just you yep. know, go out there, have fun and do your thing. No, I mean, I think that's a great message. And, and you know, obviously he was exceptional, but, you know, knowing that he that he had you and you guys could, you know, work in that tandem and, and you know, push each other, obviously made the both of you um, you know, become such elite goalies. And it was really as a, as a fan, it was so, you know, fun to watch, but, you know, following that cup run and, and, you know, when, when, you know, Timmy does move on, what, what was it like knowing that it was kind of your net and, and, and your time to, to really shine here in Boston? Well, I think it happened when I, when I signed my long-term deal, but like, I've, I've never been the guy who kind of like thinks it's my net. It's my team. You know, a lot mm-hmm. of people said that to me too. Like, yeah, it's your net now. But it's, you know, I, I was never, maybe I should have been a little bit more like that. But, like, I was always, like, you know, I'm happy to have another guy who pushes me. I push him, you know, and kind of, like, obviously I'd like to play a lot of games if I deserve the ice time. But, like, if I didn't, it was only because I didn't deserve it. So, mm-hmm. um, but, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I was, you know, like, Timmy and then a lot of other guys after that, too. Like, we had great, you know, tandems. And, yeah. that, and I think that that's that was a big part of like the success the Bruins have had past you know decade or so. Absolutely, I, I think that's important. And you know, even go back to the youth stuff to have you know that outlook for a two goalie tandem that can push one another and still be you know you know competitive yet you know pulling in the right direction. That's a unique relationship, in my opinion. Um, because there is only one goalie, but yet, you know, you're one of the biggest, if not the biggest part of the team success, if you can keep the puck out of the net. So, yeah. So like at, at the highest level, or even if you could bring it back a little bit, um, how do you feel about that two goalie tandem? And what were you, some of your experiences growing up? Uh, well, I was, I was always like the guy who played in juniors and stuff, but like, if you look at the NHL now, like, I think it's like a must mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. the, the games, the, the game's so fast, the schedule's crazy. You play so much. Like you, right. you just like, if you're looking to play, like, I think one year I played 72 games or something and I'll like, like yeah. well, Berdura, he played like 80 games or something, yeah. 81 games one year. <laughs> that's it's nuts. and then you expect to play like maybe 20 plus games in the playoffs like good luck at a higher level yeah yeah you know so i think you need to have like two goalies and i'm not saying like you get to split the net but like you know like i think a lot of a lot of past years when i was playing we did like i would play like two three maybe four games rest and then so on with yarrow we did like i played two games you play one i played two year one like and so on, so on, and then you know you end up with maybe fifty-five stars, which is you know was perfect for for us. And he did a good but, job, right? Yeah, but yeah. like that's I was gonna say like that's one of the toughest jobs too. Sure, is to be like that so-called one B or the backup, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. because you know you you need to be a great team guy, and you can't be like you know you gotta you gotta be pushing and be ready all the time, but like not better either if you're not playing. Sure. No, that 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 is a, a a great point. It's very difficult to be a pro like that, and when they do it well, like Yarrow did for, with you, um, it's beneficial for the team. Right? Yeah. 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 Well, Tuka, I got the my hockey rankings question of the week, and uh, this we're gonna we're gonna bring this like a you know little NHL, but also you know bring it back to you as a kid. So, of all the Bruins you played with, 
who would you like to have played with in youth hockey? Like, so who out of all your Bruins teammates, who would have you like, you know, who would have been the most fun in the squirt locker room? What, what antics and things like that? Oh my God. <laughs> this is awesome. Like, I love this one. There's so many characters and like so many good players. I don't know. Uh, geez. I don't know. Pasta. I'm going to say pasta. He's, he's a great guy. Good friend. Yeah. Funny guy. Good player. Yeah. I mean, this. Uh, I mean, they could name 10, 15 guys. Easily. I, yeah, it's I funny you say pasta too, though. Like, I, I think I told the story before, but we were at the All Star game in in San Jose, and uh, pasta was that guy. Like, my youngest was probably, you know, this had to have been four years. So I say he was six years old, but pasta came walking into like the big family room and, you know, just like chatting. And next thing you know, he's like playing video games with my kids. And, you know, my youngest right. is kind of like, a big time, you know, especially at that point in his life, he was like big, like autograph seeker and everybody that walked in, he's like, Liam, come on. And he's grabbing them and bringing them to, to, you know, whoever it was. And, and like Keith's sitting there like embarrassed because he doesn't want you know people <laughs> yeah. to yeah, know yeah, that yeah. it's like related to him. You know what I mean? But well, just yeah, Keith's not a superstar like Pasta, so he like Pasta can do whatever he wants. You know exactly. Brother's like kind of like a, just a pigeon at the All Star game. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, He's like, dude. Dude, we're lucky to be here. Can you stop? <laughs> Yeah, he was afraid they're gonna kick him out. Yeah, Boss yeah. is like, I get the season pass here. Don't worry, kid. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, he's the type of guy that can just be like, No, I'm all set. I don't feel like going this year. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. What what uh, would Mashi be like as like a squirt teammate? Well, I mean, you know exactly how he is. Like, like, he's calmed down so much. Like, I know he is, but like, you know, like I saw him in Providence when we were 19. And you know, like it was, it was, it a was squirt. Pre- pretty wild. Yeah. Yeah. So I saw him in yeah. Moncton that he played with Keith that year in Moncton. He must have been sixteen and he was I mean, he was awesome, but he was out of control. Like out just of- out of control. I was actually looking at his numbers. I was gonna ask you about him, but like, you know, he he, you know, his two years in, in Providence that he was down there. I think you were there one of them. Like he was, you know, pretty close to a point of game guy. And then he got called up, played 20 games. I think he had, like, one assist. And, you know, like, the Bruins could have kind of very easily, like, given up on him, right? And then, oh, yeah. you know, the next year he came in, I think he scored, like, you know, over 20 goals. And, and you know, the rest is history. I mean, the way he's he, – he, he's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Well, but, like, yeah, I mean, could but you see it? Uh, yeah, I mean, he was he had a great shot. He always had a great shot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like – he could move and he would battle so he had everything it's just like i think like they they i don't think they planned him to be first line guy you know when right. they drafted him it's just you know it's one of those things when it clicks with somebody it clicks you know he starts playing with Bergie, and then next thing you know you know rest is history right but yeah he was i think he's a great example of like you know that heart and you know you have talent and the work ethic when you put those together you know good things can happen he's just he battles like harder in practice still than you know many other guys so just goes to show what what he's uh where his head's at when and he puts those skates and sometimes i feel like even in the summertime because he's skating like 15 times a week out there i'm like maybe you want to pump the brakes a little bit because you're not you're not 20 anymore but you know that's Mm -hmm. just the type he is never quits and battles you mentioned bergy uh just touch on him as a teammate and 
I mean, he's like one of the most, you know, complete players that has played in this league, in my opinion, and a complete person. Like, what a sweetheart of a guy. Um, he just, like, kind of talked to us about and our listeners about uh, him as a player and a person. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, anybody who hasn't met him and see, seen his interviews and the way he carries himself, I mean, just speaks for, for himself, I think. Just a class act, you know, a great guy, always thinking, you know, team first. And if anybody needs any help, he's always one of the first guys to offer it for sure. Uh, but, like, on the ice from, like, obviously he's, like, he's offense, like, some sometimes goes, like, unnoticed a little bit. Like, he's he's been scoring a lot of goals, a lot of clutch goals, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, forever. But, like, for me as a goalie, you know, like, you'd see, like, because he kind of thinks like a goalie in the D zone. He he doesn't panic. He reads the same passing lanes as I do. So I I, I believe that like it became kind of like second nature for me. Knowing when he's out there, I could be a little bit more aggressive because like he's there cutting that pass off. You know, like because that's that's what he does. And like you know, I m- mentioned that to him many times too. Like you know, you kind of like think like I can see the game like a goalie when you're. Uh, in the D zone. So that's just something that people, I don't know if they pick up on that or not, but uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's really cool. Pleasure playing with him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, w- one thing to go off of that, um, you know, cause we, Brian and I talk about, you know, he coaches his three boys and I'm coaching as well, but like on a two on one, right. As a goalie, if you trust your defenseman, not to let that puck get through, you're more aggressive and you can trust the shoot to take the shot. Well, right? you know, if there's one thing I learned, never, never trust the D. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because right. you know what it, you know what it looks like when I trust the D and the well, back. you look bad. You look yeah. Bad. Everybody looks bad. Yeah. So, <laughs> but yeah, it's, you know, it's like, I think like I always wanted the D man to kind of like try to push the guy wide in the beginning. And if he passes like right after the blue line, it's fine. Yeah. But if like if the pass comes like the top of the circles, like you see nowadays all the time too, like they pass high up, and then the goalie's screwed, you know. So like the tighter you can kind of like force the guy to make a decision, the better it is for both, you know, D man and the goalie. Like if they try to make it, you know, closer to the net, it's easier for goalie to move laterally, right? Versus like top of the circles and stuff. So I don't know. It's it's a, it's a it's no, so that, that's good to hear because, and then, you know, so if you flip it to offensive, I always look, I always tell the forwards to pass it early. So the goalie and the D have to move and adjust. And then yeah. there's another chance to make another pass. Right. So just inside the blue line, but like top of the circles is most difficult for you. Yeah. Okay. For sure. Yeah. That's good to know. All right. It's good I'm, to I'm, know I'm, for I, the men's league mods. Putting the, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm, give it, I'm, give it, give it up early. I want to see those sauce passes at the top of the circles. It's gonna go to freaking tenth row on the stands. <laughs> well, you know what, you know with Mott's curve, he's not. He, I'm not he, shooting. He's not shooting. He's not. No, that was the Gatorade stirrer. You know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's awesome, Tuca. Well, you know, I think we could talk to you forever, Mott. You got any more questions? Yeah, just a couple uh, about the the golf game, and then uh, we're gonna let him go because we're gonna get him yeah. on the course, but. Uh, number one, actually, uh, how are you feeling right now? How's your health? It's good. Yeah, you feeling good? good? Yeah, I'm working out a little bit, playing a lot of golf. I was t- 
telling Brian before we started, the tennis season hasn't started yet for me, but soon I got to start doing that just to get some cardio in. What about pickleball? I told them. I said we got to get the pickleball going. Yeah, we like we in Finland we play uh, padel, which is kind of like similar. Similar, but it's like kind of like a tennis ball, and it's like glass. Then you can use the walls and stuff, but a uh, similar type of concept almost. Uh, but yeah, definitely he'll play pickleball. Seems yeah. to be the thing in America now. I know, right? Especially for you retirees. I know. <laughs> You Grab know. a six pack and have a pickleball tournament. Dumb. Exactly. Be, be home at two a.m. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Yeah, it's just yeah, like the, the golf course. Yeah, it's yeah, like at nine a.m. Well, what's going on here? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, well, hey, we want to get you out on the golf course uh, soon, uh, my man. But uh, we want to thank you for coming on. This is uh, a pleasure to talk to you. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. It was it was awesome. Let's play golf soon, for sure. Really appreciate it, Tuka. Thank you, and uh, obviously it was a pleasure watching you and your career and. Thanks for taking the time. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. That interview with Tuka Rask was brought to you by Franklin Street Hockey, the official ball and street hockey partner of the National Hockey League. Shop NHL-licensed hockey and fan gear at franklinsports.com. You can get Tuka Rask, like, nets and gloves. Tuka Rask always wore a Franklin uh, batting glove under his equipment. Do you know that, being a former uh, teammate? I did, and I saw him have multiple Franklin uh, gloves in his stall, like just hanging. Right, so there you go. Uh, he's a Franklin yeah. guy. Yeah, he's a Franklin guy underneath the uh, the glove to you know lessen the uh, the blows from Mott's heavy shot. I heard he uses a Franklin glove on the golf course too. <laughs> That'd be unbelievable. I I don't know. <laughs> we'll have to like find out because we're gonna take him golfing soon exactly exactly no great interview with him uh obviously you know Mott, you you had the opportunity to play with him but you know all-time winningest goalie and and you know bruins uh history which obviously we original sick team it's not too often you know he was a uh you just you know stanley cup champion he you know the one of the best goalies in the league for you know his 15 year NHL career. So really, really uh, cool stuff. All star Vesna Trophy winner and just a humble, humble guy. It was uh, it was a pleasure to have him on. Yeah, he's just like a very good person. Number one, and uh, I was fortunate to know him prior to playing with him um, when I played with the Bees briefly. And you know, he's just he's just a really good teammate person. And then his on ice uh, really spoke for itself. Like he was such a competitor in practice. And it was really cool to hear him say that about the preparation starts in practice. And, you know, then it doesn't matter if you talk to me before, you know, in a a game day, you know, like that's where I am prepared. Um, You know, and he grew into that, but he found his, you know, kind of model that worked for him. And I think there's a lot of uh, good things that came out of that interview that someone can take as a goaltender, as a competitor. And uh, we're just so happy that uh, he was able to join us. Yeah, no, I was. I thought it was cool to hear about his relationship with Tim Thomas too, because, you know, and, and I didn't know you knew him that well. Uh, him it's, you know, he, I just always, you know, pictured Tom, uh, Thomas as a very, like, you know, kind a of cool series. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, but I mean, it was, it was really cool to, to, you know, hear some stuff about him and, you know, as well as Poster and, 
Bergeron, Masha, and those type of guys as well. We could have talked to him for for days, obviously, with the illustrious career that he had. But just a great. Yeah, we, didn't, um, we didn't even touch that he uh, won the uh, Vezina Trophy. Yeah, I mean, why would we bring up those stats yeah, though? You know what I mean? Goalie in the league, whatever. Yeah, what's that matter? <laughs> but I think it was you know three hundred and eight. Uh, NHL wins most ever by a Bruin uh, over you know 564 NHL games, which as a as a goaltender is yeah I mean that's a yeah it's a lot that, that's over it's a thousand lot. for well over a thousand for a player oh, well over a thousand I mean those seasons that he played and played you know 60 70 plus games like that's that it's, Jackson it's, yeah stuff will will never be done uh, again but speaking of another former teammate did you see Yarmir Yager uh, in that accident over the the weekend with the tram, yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, he's lucky. lucky, very lucky to be alive. And I, yeah. I, I, I heard fifty. Uh, I mean, he's turning fifty, and he's going to still keep playing. Unbelievable. Yeah, that's impressive. And, and like, the best thing that I can say about him is, you know, you know, he turns his phone off on Father's Day. <laughs> He's gonna be able to do that again next year, <laughs> which is good. <laughs> oh, oh, that's great! That's great. Well, uh, a couple others here. Connor, <laughs> Connor crushes cancer event. Uh, we talked about it last week, but that's uh, going to be June 9th at Florian Hall uh, home game for me. I can stumble up the hill afterwards. Uh, anybody that might be interested in making a donation or the sponsor and reach out to Timmy Rogers, T Rog, T R O G 42780 at gmail.com. Uh, you can purchase tickets at Connor Crushes Cancer. Eventbrite.com. Connor, uh, I saw on Instagram had his last round of, uh, of chemo this week, which is great. He, you know, always a smile on his face and he's battling. Uh, he's, he's, Battling hot, I give the kid and and their family a lot of credit. Obviously, his mother Deb's also going through uh, her own issues with the um, with breast cancer, and you know th- this family's just taking it all in stride. I saw Phil the other day leaving the coffee shop, just a big smile on his face, and good people, and they've been really um, you know touched by the outreach in the in the hockey community. So good to see those guys doing well, and looking forward to that event. Watch you coming up, right? Absolutely, sleepover with Sophie. Like I said. <laughs> done done and done done oh that's unbelievable all right Mots, let's talk about the uh the street hockey event you want to let's get into it here yeah so i mean it's gonna be pretty cool right so first annual uh rank first Rinks, annual rank shrink street, hockey, street festival. hockey festival yeah and you know the format's format's gonna be a round robin four verse four uh so the minimum number of plays to a team you know you know it could be five like if you have the right four and you want to run them out that's fine depends yeah. on what you guys want we'll to give do. that team the black jerseys though oh yeah they're gonna be, <laughs> right? yeah. And they're gonna be sweating and in yeah. august 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 6 uh, yeah it'd probably be pretty warm so yeah you you go with five guys uh it's gonna be good luck it's gonna to be difficult yeah because you're gonna play a bunch of games but, um, yeah, so we're on our feet, you know, playing old-school street hockey. We'll have uh, mites, squirts, peewees, bantams, you know, two divisions, A and B. So sign your uh, team up accordingly. Um, 
and you know we're gonna have yeah and I, I, just to touch on that uh quick you know the 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 big thing and you know i know nobody wants to play in the b division or anything like that but it's street hockey it's on feet you're going to be playing against some bigger kids the way i would i would do it is you know you're not going to do true birth years but let's just say that you're um you're a peewee right you're 2010s and 2011s next season uh which you know that that's how we're considering it so if you're a two a, a, a peewee and you're 2011 unless you're you know, have a team of complete stud phenom street hockey players, it's probably best to go into the the B division. You know what I mean? Because if not, you're going to be playing against 2010s that are all pretty good and bigger and a year older and things like that. So I know little Johnny is not used to playing in the B division, but we're just telling you, you know, rank your teams accordingly. And, you know, you'd rather come out with a couple victories than have to, you know, grind and get your butts kicked by a, by a team full of old kids, but you can do mixed birth years. You could, you know, you could do, it doesn't have to be age specific. You could be 2011s and 2010s, you know what I mean? But, um, you know, just make sure you rank your teams accordingly. And you don't want to, you don't want to think you're, you're, you're that sweet and then get smoked all the time. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's going to be, there's going to be plenty of competition at both levels. So, uh, you know, we, we do have, uh, division winners, you know, at every single level, um, not everybody's getting trophy though. No, not everyone's getting trophy. You got to win a trophy, but you got to, um, but, but be sure, um, you know, to, to sign up, you can go on the website, the ring shrinks.com. Um, you know, there's going to be a bunch of fun stuff. there, vendors for siblings, food trucks. And we will figure out maybe a liquor license or, you know, maybe just uh pack coolers. Who knows? So yeah. we'll figure, figure that out for the adults uh that's in the making you know for uh, on logistics on our end but um yeah so registration you can go on our website the ring you know each team is six hundred dollars until the cutoff of june 10th and then the price will increase but uh just check it it's out gonna, it's gonna go quick though this we're, yeah. we're really only looking at eight teams per division uh right. so you know Technically, you know, like eight might A teams, eight might B teams, you know, and so on and so forth. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, Squirts, Pee Wee, Phantom. So it's not, you know, it's not like this. You can just sign up at any point. So the sooner you get on this, the better. Um, once you, you know, on the site, teams will pay as a whole team. You know, you got to, you know, whatever, have your, your team manager or the coach or whatever, sign everybody up and everybody can Venmo you, pay you however you want to do it. You don't just... Uh, do it individually you, you purchase one team ticket uh, you'll receive an in email from us with, and fill out your roster and your waivers and things like that uh, like Mott said it's going to be food trucks for families it should be a really fun event uh, the location is going to be in the greater Boston area all the official uh, details and but everything the date, the, yeah the dates are August 6th and 7th for sure though yeah for sure for sure. If you have any, and uh, I want a dunk take, a, a dunk take. Oh. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I want to, I want to sink by. You know, like for the kids, like they, they'll be fun. Like maybe we could get some. Is it a carnival or a street hockey tournament? I, hey, listen, I, I mean, I, I just want some fun. So yeah, I'll throw left. They just, they just, they just can't take the Avon out of you. <laughs> well, we'll figure it out. So, well, I, I'm, I'm really pulling for a dunk tank. So, All right. It's gonna well, be. It's gonna we'll, be. It's gonna we'll be see fun. if it. We'll see if it's in the budget. Yeah. 
We'll see. We'll see if it's in the budget. But yeah, it's gonna uh it's gonna sell out quick. So make sure you guys get on it. Any specific questions, reach out to us uh by email ringshrinks at gmail.com. If you're interested in being a sponsor, all right, this is gonna be big. You're gonna have a tent, you're gonna have uh, you know, whatever you maybe want to do. You might want to sponsor a rink, you might want to uh, just throw your name on the t-shirts. There's plenty of room on the t-shirts, um, you know, on the schedules, things like that. Make sure you you reach out to us. Uh, all there's four tiers of sponsorships. Everything's outlined on our website, therinkshrinks.com. So make sure you hit us up if you're you know your business. You want to see you know little Johnny playing on the rink that's named after you. You maybe you, you you can't afford your own like actual rink, but you can afford a, a street hockey rink for the tournament. It'd be it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, little Johnny getting buried into your uh, sign would be awesome. Exactly, getting plastered up a wall that says your company's name on it. There'll be plenty of pictures. We'll be shouting you guys out. Yeah, we'll be shouting you guys well, out. The on train there. is walking out there, but you know you have good signage right in front of little Johnny on the ground. <laughs> no, uh, well, no, I'm it'll be a kidding. fun event. We're gonna be there. We're gonna be hanging out all weekend. And like I said, get on the registration early. Once that June 10th hits, the price is definitely gonna increase. So get on it early. Lock in your team. Uh, if you got a team, you know, if you got a hockey team, like I said to you before, you got, you know, a team of 15 kids, that's basically two street hockey teams right there. Um, you know, it's it's cheap enough. You know, you grab eight guys, 75 bucks a piece. I'm no math guy, but I think I did that out on the calculator before. Really not a bad deal. Like I said, it's going to be a, a, a ton of fun and a great way to kill a weekend. And we'll get the cops going to the A's, whatever it takes. You know what I mean? Yeah, you didn't break out the calculator. You, you took your shoe off, kid. Yeah, I, I know you. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, with your side. Uh, well, once again, uh, you know, thank you to the sponsors. Thank you to uh, Tuka Ras for joining us this week. Uh, a lot of fun chatting with him and looking forward to some, some you know, more good NHL playoff hockey. We're uh, we're in the thick of it here. We're getting down to uh, the, the, the divisional series rounds will be out by next week, right? Yeah, the final four and um in the Celtics Mots, the Celts could lock it up Friday night. Yeah, go, go, go to the finals from there. That's great. I mean Oh, dude, I forgot to tell you I'm going the Sox on Sunday too. Uh so like I I appreciate you saying that and I said this to the uh to my buddy. I'm like I, it's still hockey season right now. It's going later than usual, so yeah. I'm not dialed into the Sox yet, but I will be full on Sox once hockey season is over yeah sunday 130 game going oh, nice. with the kids yeah hey if you can take a break I, from yard work yeah are you a bleacher creature or no actually chris from uh franklin hooked it up we got some decent seats uh, yeah right, eh? yeah yeah sea rod hooked you know took care of the yandel family for, for it might be my birthday sunday so oh i'm gonna well, enjoy maybe. myself yeah i might have to pop out of a cake <laughs> Well, on that note, uh, time to cue the rink shrink shuffle there, Jersey.